0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week's episode of the African Bohemian Podcast. This week, we chat to Wawira Njuru, founder of Food for Education. Food for Education is a nonprofit that provides food for children in a local district of Kenya. Having seen the direct effects of extreme poverty and hunger in her community, Wawira decided to do something to change this. Armed with passion and desire to change the plight of children, Wawira started Food for Education to ensure that no child has to learn on an empty stomach. Since its launch in 2012, Food for Education has provided hundreds of meals for school children in Kenya. Um, In this episode, we touch on how Food for Education is helping children in Kenya, why Waira is so passionate about helping children in her community, and how she raised $2,000 in the space of 24 hours to take 200 children to see Black Panther. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much, Wawira, for joining us for this week's episode of the African Bohemian Podcast. Uh, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do? Uh, my name is Wavera and I am the founder of Food for Education. So I'm a nutritionist, and I started this organization called Food for Education because I believe children should have access to food. And so we're trying to get as many students in Kenya having a nutritious lunch uh, while they're in school so that they can learn and be able to get the most out of education that they can mm. that's really um, fascinating stuff uh, I think a couple of years ago i was um I was kind of studying political science and i i'm obviously p- as part of the millennium development goals um for mm-hmm. twenty i can't remember the year now <laughs> but anyway um, it was basically to half poverty and also provide food for for kids. Mm. Um, i don't know how far we is african countries have gone with regards to achieving this goal Mm, we're still very far Mm, i i guess definitely but oh your organization like such as yours, definitely Mm doing a lot to help us achieve or to take us a step closer to Mm -hmm. this um this goal so um what what actually made you start food for education so obviously i know you you said you mentioned that you're a nutritionist but What kind of, what was that kind of pull factor that made you say, you know, I want to start this organization to change the way Mm -hmm. children in Kenya um, experience education and how they they go to school? Yeah, I mean, I started it in the, uh, like in the town that I grew up in. And um, the reason that I started it there was because um, no one was, I mean, it was something that I I had grown up seeing how... uh, First of all, it was about lack of education and how uh, that's like for not having access to education, like kids skipping school, uh, not going to school and things like that. And then learning that, you know, a lot of it was because of hunger. And that is something that I'd grown up seeing. And so when I started, we started in the community that I grew up in because I was it was just the realization. So I was in Australia doing my undergrad in nutrition and food sciences and volunteering for like organizations like World Vision and none of like World Vision and other organizations were working in my community. And so I started it because no one else was doing something where I came from. And, and so I wanted to do something there. And that was the thing for me that it was like if no one is going to do something about this i might as well do it do something about it yeah mm. we definitely we definitely need more people like you in on mm. you on on the continent of africa doing things and um changing um just basically basically way children um so their lives and just the way they have they have access to basic because these are basic necessities mm-hmm. that it's pretty much is the, the difference between life and death, and many people, many children go without, and it's the leading factor why a lot of kids kind of drop out of kid, uh, of school. Mm. Um, hunger, hunger, poverty, um, just so many, so many reasons. Mm. So, um, in terms of your your foundation, food for education. Mm-hmm. So how 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 is it kind of structured? So how exactly do you select? what um, schools to go to to distribute food and how do you, how is the program kind of, how is the program? How do you, how would you sort of, I mean, just talk us through the program and how, how it's kind yeah. of, yeah. Um, so we are, um, we provide meals to students in, so we started in one school when we started, we were providing 25 meals when we started in 2012. And the reason we weren't providing 25 mils is because we didn't have the money or the capacity to provide more. And also we wanted to test if the food would make an impact on their education. And so, um, we, we started with a small kitchen where kids from one of the schools that was, we we built a small kitchen in our church, uh, in, uh, the community I grew up in the church I grew up going to. And what we do is the children would work to the, would walk to the church and eat and so uh in 2016 we built a bigger kitchen in the school and so kids mostly came from that school and we expanded to schools to three other schools around to provide meals to those so how we select the schools is based obviously on need and also proximity to our kitchen because we provide we produce meals in one kitchen and then transport the meals to the other kitchens and also we, um, we also run a business, which is a food delivery and catering business in Nairobi. And we cater to corporates and uh, private institutions and use the profits to subsidize the meals to the students in, um, in the schools that we work in. So we're kind of structured as a hybrid, having the for-profit that subsidizes the meals at our non-for-profit. So that's how basically everything runs from day to day yeah. Um you actually just kind of touched on my next question which mm-hmm. was basically um how do you get funding for this amazing project that you are doing in Kenya? How do you get mm-hmm. funding for it? What organizations have kind of partnered with you or is it pretty much from subsidies that you get from local government or the government in general? Yeah, well the government doesn't fund us. That's one. Uh we're just looking at how that can happen but uh we get funding from we have a local company uh called Tata City that gives us some funding to run they actually cover the cost of two of the schools that uh we work with and then we also have people who donate uh money like regularly like just monthly donations or so some people do it you know one-off donations and things like that and then also we have Parents who contribute, so the children who are not sponsored by the corporate, uh, most of them contribute a cost to the meal. It's a very minimal cost. And so that helps cover uh, part of the cost. And then also we have our business. So we've tried to make the different uh, parts of the puzzle fit in to be able to provide the meals to the kids. Mm. Well, um, I think one of the f- the... The ways I kind of found out, found out about you um, was mm-hmm. through your your feature on CNN with yeah, wife, yeah. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about that. How did you get featured in uh, on CNN, and how were you able to kind of raise the money for these wonderful kids to see the movie Black Panther? Yeah, I mean, so the idea started with me being just a lonely ass person and wanting to go see a movie, and I was like, I don't want to go alone, so I was like. Oh, what if we go with the kids? And I thought about taking a few kids because that's what like I could afford. I couldn't take all the two hundred that we ended up taking. So I was like, um, "What if I, I I called the cinema and I asked them like, can you give me like discounted tickets if I can bring like a hundred children here?'" And they said, "Yeah, well, we can give you discounted tickets." So we, I, I said like I wanted to raise three hundred dollars uh, to take a hundred kids. To just get the tickets because one ticket the cinema was selling to me at three dollars and i would have used that i would have paid for the transport and they wouldn't get any stacks like it was just get them there i'd pay for transport and then uh see if like the, let them watch the movie and so i just put up on my facebook and i was like hey i want to do this thing and my twitter which doesn't have that many followers I don't know how it went viral, to be honest. And uh, all of a sudden, like all these people are like really random people who I didn't know are like, can I send you money? Can I send you money? Can I send you money? So the good thing about Kenya is that we have M-Pesa, so people can send money quite quickly. And so I think in 24 hours, we received 200,000 shillings, which is $2,000, having set out to raise 300 and raise $2,000 in 24 hours. So we ended up taking 200 kids and they all got snacks. You know, they just had the best experience watching it. And then um, I didn't even contact CNN. I think the theater is the one that contacted CNN. But I was just like sitting in the movie and someone said, oh, CNN wants to interview you. So I just stepped out and I did an interview on CNN. And that was basically how it went. Um. It was a really great experience. I mean, the kids loved it. And um, like a few days later, they had a drama festival thing. Like they were, they were doing all this kits and plays and things like that. And the teachers did say that they were way more confident having seen Lupita on screen and all, you know, the beauty of black Panther. Yeah. So it was just like an amazing experience for them and the whole entire experience and, everyone who made it happen yeah mm. that's um really fascinating it's not it's it's funny how um you set out to do a particular you set up for, you know, for a particular goal like you said at uh, 200 uh dollars $1. 100 and, yeah yeah and you and you, way ex- you exceeded your um your goal mm-hmm. your expectation it's amazing how when you just commit yourself to doing something good you know you know just things just happen you know to just make sure that everything kind of works in your favor which is really fascinating um yeah. i i was actually going to ask you just about the fact that um obviously Lupita which is one of the who's one of the main characters in Black Panther mm-hmm. happens also to be Kenyan and i was mm-hmm. just thinking i'm sure a lot of the kids could really identify with her you know um mm-hmm. uh, being Kenyan being the, you know it's one of those well she's she's just like us and there mm-hmm. she is in hollywood there she is um pretty much promoting black strength black women so if Mm -hmm. she can do that i can i can um i can do that as well so Mm -hmm. which is i love the fact that you touched on you touched on that um what does a typical working day look like for you oh wow uh today's until 1 (laughs) a.m but uh uh it depends on i mean because so we run the company the catering business and I uh, also run the non-for-profit. Um we're trying to work more with government. So right now a typical day will involve a lot of like looking work uh meetings with government and um trying to work out um a partnership with them. Um it will also involve a lot of um we're hiring for new positions so a lot of like seeking new talent for to work with us uh a lot of meetings um, I try to go to our feeding program because our feeding program is not in Nairobi. I go I try to go there at least once a week uh, just because it's a very inspirational space for me because it kind of reminds me about why everything happens you know every everything that we're doing and uh, even when you're really stressed, uh, hanging out with the kids is always the most exciting thing and so um, yeah, it depends very much on what's on my plate around that time yeah um, interesting you are clear, you're very committed to your um to, this, to your passion and to you know helping these children these kids reala- realize <laughs> they yeah pretty much have a different uh, view you know for their lives and I think what really inspires me about your story is the fact that you're also quite young because many times when you see people who are true, Sort of involved in artists like this, um, mm-hmm. they tend to be some maybe in their uh, no shade, no, no. I mean, I'm <laughs> not shade, but I'm just, I'm just trying to sort of like highlight the, the realities of what I've, i kind mm-hmm. of seen. So they tend to be either really big organizations with a lot of sort of resources to kind of figure mm-hmm. out there, or people who are much, much older who've like kind of you know seen a lot in life, and they're, it's kind of their way of giving back, so to speak. But the fact that you are, you are this young. Mm-hmm. And are, are willing and are able to do this is really, really, um, it's really very inspirational, and very, very fascinating. Which is, I, I absolutely love it, love this. Oh, and I think, yeah, it will be nice to see more um, Africans sort of venture into this kind of um, um, down the stream, uh, down this road. I mean, and just yeah, do a lot in their countries and outside to just change the plight of African children, which mm-hmm. is um, something definitely that should be done. Um, so what have some of your career highlights been, uh, to date? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, a lot of it has been, what I'm proudest of is how, uh, I think the organization is becoming stronger and stronger in terms of our, you know, our staff in terms of our I mean because when I started I was 21 years old and I kind of didn't know what I was doing you know I just knew that I wanted to you know make sure kids were 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 not hungry while in class but I wasn't really sure how I'd do it for a big number you know my biggest goal was to feed 100 kids right now we feed so many and so um my career highlight has just been actually just growing an organization and you know having people who work there full-time you know having people who are working towards the vision um and also getting a lot of people come to now support us because i mean at the beginning it's very hard to get people to support you because not many people are sure about you know if i give you money you know how you're going to use it cuz you're not even sure what you're doing you know you're just like saying i could you know i i have a hunch that this might work but with time you build results and you build um you build uh credibility as well so that's something i'm really proud of um another thing is that um we're try we're really quickly establishing ourselves as the go-to organization to s- children around Kenya. And I can see that already from, you know, the government's interest in our work and other organizations. And that for me is a highlight because um it shows that we're doing something well. And that's always exciting for me to do something not just to do it, but to do it well and to do it excellently. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Um definitely you've touched on some very important um, issues, you know, the fact that it's the idea in itself, you know. You, you didn't actually mention, you know, CNN or, I mean, something else, you know, I guess people would have expected you to kind of talk about <laughs> the back. <fact>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I rarely think about that stuff. Even when someone says it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. It's, yeah, it's, it doesn't. And most people who are building stuff, it's very, they don't think about awards and all those things. You just think about, you know, like the achievement is the building because that's what you've set out to do, to build. That's, that's so yeah. true. That's true. It's the, it's, the changing, it's the changing of lives. You know, that's what actually matters because, mm. you know, for some people, it's just it's all about getting an award. But for, I mean, the, the real issue at hand is actually changing the child's life. Mm. So that, that's all that, that matters. And that's, that, that is what makes all the difference in the whole world. Mm. Um, what have some of your challenges been along the way? Oh, so many challenges. Um, I always say, and people think that I'm, um, I'm, I'm not being serious when I say this. That I think my biggest challenges have always been when I feel that I don't uh, believe in myself, or I'm not having confidence with myself, with my decisions, you know, with my leadership. That's usually the biggest setback for myself and for the organization. So a lot of times, I mean, even when it comes to challenges in funding, challenges in expansion, challenges in how people perceive, for example, a young woman who's trying to, you know, change uh, a system where children haven't been eating in schools and things like that. Uh, once, if I overcome my mental barriers, I find myself overcoming barriers around me better so my biggest challenge have always been has always been whenever i'm not believing in myself enough whenever i'm not trusting myself trusting my decisions listening to my gut then i don't perform as well in whatever i'm doing so that's you that's usually the big challenge and obviously i mean in kenya it's a very um patriarchal kind of society and a lot of uh, people. uh you know look at you like you're just a young small girl you know um and things like that but that has been a challenge but i found that if i set my mind straight and you know learn to like not see myself the way people see me see myself for who i really am then i'm able to overcome such perception much e- uh, much easily such mm-hmm. perceptions yeah mm-hmm. it's um it's interesting that you mentioned the fact that in kenya uh, people kind of see you as a well oh, kind of a small girl what are you mm-hmm. what do you know what do you what are you doing you know um i'm from nigeria and mm-hmm. uh, it's very similar as well you know in nigeria mm-hmm. it's very it's very not not only is it very kind of class conscious there's, very, there's a very there's a big distinction between like your elders and you and the youth you mm-hmm. know? um i think i kind of touched on this on a previous podcast with a previous guest that i had mm-hmm. And in Nigeria, we have a term called, I think it's more of Yoruba or Pigeon English. I can't even remember now, but it's called, they call it like an Agalaga syndrome. So it's basically, I mean, loose translation would be a big man syndrome. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm a big man, you're a small girl. What do you know? You listen to me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like basically, weren't you born, weren't you the one that was born yesterday? What, are you coming here? Tell me this, tell me what, you know? Mm. So um, yeah, it's so funny. Although we might speak different languages in Africa on the African continent um we have so many things that are similar about different African societies and yeah Yeah. and we are (laughs) we are we uh, maintain our kind of uniqueness so it's very kind of fascinating to um to see um I wanted to ask you as well obviously Mm -hmm. as someone of African descent being Kenyan and you Mm -hmm. have um, studied you've studied in Australia you've Mm -hmm. traveled around the world Mm -hmm. how would you say being of African heritage has influenced or infused your journey so far? Oh man. I mean, I don't think I'd be doing this if I wasn't, I mean, I love this continent. I love this country in like an unhealthy way, in a way that I, you know, and so there's this Kenyan band called Saudi soul. And they always sing this song live and die in Africa. And I'm always like, this is my shit, because this is how I actually feel. Like, I wanna live and die in Africa. And I feel a great sense of responsibility. I mean, live and die in Africa in the sense that uh, even if I'm not physically here, I wanna be working towards making Africa a better place. And um, for me, being of African heritage gives me a big sense of purpose because there is so much to be done and there is so much that needs, um, that there's so many opportunities and there's so much that's going wrong too. And that means that I have, you know, I have a place. I have a place in terms of I can do my little thing and it's going to make an impact. So uh, that's really important to me in terms of knowing that I'm in a place where I can contribute and that effect will mean a lot for my people and for the people of this country and this continent. Yeah. Fascinating. Very insightful. Uh, well, we at who or what would you say are your strongest influences? Oh, wow, <laughs> I mean, I have um, incredible female friends and those are some of my biggest influences in terms of they really, Uh, ground me and really um, teach me how to, you know, I don't know, have more confidence and have more faith in myself because it's, it's really inspiring when you live life with women around you who are just breaking down barriers and who are just being so authentic with themselves. And that's some of my greatest inspiration, just the people around me, the women around me, uh, from outside my circles, I mean, I look up to people like, I mean, she's passed away, but people like Wangari Mathai. Um, I remember watching Wangari Mathai's interview, uh, documentary, sorry. Um, just when I was starting Food for Education. And I remember feeling a great sense of, I felt her burden, like the way she described her work was more of like, this is, I doing this because I believe in the future of this country and I want to contribute to it. And I felt that very strongly as well. Like I was doing it because I believe in the future of Kenya and I want to contribute to it. And so I, I think like uh, what I really admire about her is where her work stemmed from. It didn't come from, Oh, I know, you know, like, as you said, like now I'm going to give back. I've just, built all this wealth and things like that. But it's about, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for her, it was about, I believe strongly in what I'm doing and in the future of this country. And I believe that if we don't save trees, if we don't plant trees, if we don't save the environment, then the future of this country is not going to be what I envision it to be. And I really, really believe that Uh, someone's work should stem from a sense of a vision you know a vision that they have yeah Mm -hmm. yeah she was um definitely a fearless Mm -hmm. environmentalist uh she was a feminist she was very very strong and she influenced people all around the world not just in Mm -hmm. Kenya but way um much much further afield um yeah I don't think she I don't think she has she had an idea of like basically how much like her work meant to people around the world yeah it's um. She's definitely. I mean, her lot. Her passing was a huge loss to Africa. To the African. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, in your opinion, would you say um, kind of the, the non-profit organisation has changed in the last few years that you've started, uh, food for education. Our, how our organization has changed no um just generally basically how uh, how nonprofits in general because you are looking at food for education, basically giving children food mm-hmm. uh, the other there are other organizations out there that are doing maybe one or one thing or the other mm-hmm. but how would you say in general that the whole kind of landscape do you think there's more work being done? do you think it's less, or do you think um what do you think people, um, organizations are kind of falling short? And where do you think they're they miss their they're hitting the right mark? I mean, I think that uh from my experience, a lot of um international organizations um that I've seen, I mean, because they're the biggest and they have the bigger budgets and everything, um I've seen that there's a big gap that um, you know, it feels like a lot of them are not concerned about like, you know, setting up systems that are sustainable in terms of they can run without, um, without their assistance and things like that. And for me, that, that's an opportunity for us, for us Africans, for us Africans who've had education, for us Africans who have some resources who know, you know, can get positions in such organizations to not drive the agendas in terms of not, you know, uh, I feel like there hasn't been a lot of foresight about how do we build structures? How do we build systems? How do we build, uh, ways that people don't have to get aid and don't have to get, um, You know, uh, have to get money from outside. How do we build things like, uh, how do we encourage the government to do more and things like that? And so the opportunity in that I see is that as, you know, Kenyans, as Africans, as uh, other people in the developing worlds too, they, we have the opportunity now to lead the conversation of what should development look like? What should, uh, what should we be investing in? How can we build strong institutions? strong systems and how can we now ensure that these things are supported in a way that they won't break when an organization leaves or they won't break when you know this stops happening and things like that yeah Hmm. that is so insightful um in my well I kind of studied political science at university and Mm -hmm. my time of studying um, political sciences and even like after I have never Mm -hmm. come across anyone say that the, the main the main issue with them um, kind of non-profits out, out there is the fact that their systems are not sustainable enough enough to continue after the maybe the the founders or the people who established yeah it. and it's just pretty much it's i mean what you said has this make made me look at it from a completely different light um it's i think it's just really really definitely very important as it it's much it's very much needed um i think i heard i heard something along the lines a few probably a few weeks or a few years ago i can't even remember now but um they said that the measure of a good leader or good leadership is basically when um you create a system you Mm -hmm. know in which it becomes kind of sustainable you know yeah some yeah just along 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 those lines so that even when you're gone the system maintains itself and the system can continue to run yeah Um, and i mean i always look at it like I'm very pragmatic. I'm like, I'm not gonna be alive forever. I'm gonna die someday. Or, you know, I, I wanna do other things with my life and things like that. And I don't want an organization that runs on, you know, Wavera. Or I don't want to be in anything that runs just by me. I want something that runs by itself. And I feel like that is a, also it's like less stressful when psh, things are not running you know, they depend on you completely. So I think that it's very important to build systems that can run and can exist without us. Yeah. Um, It brings me to my next question. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was going to ask you, how would you say social and digital media, uh, what role would you say it has played in helping you reach your audience? The reason I ask this question is because um, I guess in this day and age, many people feel that social media is is Pretty, pretty much used for entertainment and it's been used a lot for by influence social influences mm-hmm. but i mean your your kind of field your kind of sector is completely different it's not for entertainment this is these mm-hmm. are these are matters of life and death mm-hmm. um how do you think or how, what would you say social the role that social media has played in you in helping you reach your your audience yeah i mean um so we get a lot of uh funding still through like crowdfunding not necessarily like um saying like can you give us money for this but i mean people who follow our pages they still send us money and you know they will see a picture and decide to give us money so social media has really helped us in terms of fundraising and um you know getting awareness about the work we do and things like that uh building awareness because traditionally you know if you have no way to communicate if you have to go through traditional uh media media sources media avenues it becomes difficult because you can't afford to buy like you know prime time tv or something like that by uh by a commercial or something like that and so um it's it's very much easy because it helps you bypass traditional uh, gatekeepers of power who are like you know, media owners and things like that. And also, um, I think it's also brought, uh, it's helped us build community of people who are doing the same, who are interested in our work and also inspired other people to start their own things. And, you know, by sharing our journey, my journey, you know, and other people sharing their journeys, you know, someone else sees and they feel like, you know, if like the other day, I remember I was saying how I had a really hard day and I was just like, today is such a hard day. And I got so many messages of people saying, oh my God, I had a hard day too. Or, you know, this is, this is what happened. And they were all just like, like that feeling of I'm not alone. Like everyone's has bad days some days and it's fine. So, um, yeah it, it really it really create, helps create community in terms of people supporting your work and also people just understanding why you do it and then feeling part of what you're doing as well yeah you have literally summed this up so eloquently i don't <laughs> i couldn't have said any better like nobody oh. you know um you've, you've uh, yeah, definitely very well thought through um, um answer and um, yeah, very analytical as well. I didn't know that I would say you've studied developmental studies or, or politics. Oh of- and <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I mean definitely you've, um, I love the answer that you gave. Um, I-, I was gonna also ask you, mm-hmm. um, with regards to your journey so far and some of the experiences that you've learned, I'm guessing also the mistakes that you've made as- along the way, mm-hmm. what, ad- what advice would you give to your younger self about the working world, knowing what you know now? Oh, that's so funny. My therapist asked me that question too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I guess to my younger self, um, the advice would be that it's going to work out eventually. I think that when I was younger, I was very stressed out. Sometimes I do get stressed out right now still. Just wanting to know, you know, when is this going to happen? You know, I'm putting in all this work. You want to see a result soon. And, you know, you want to like, Get something happening quick, you know. And so, um what I I tell my younger self is like, let it take its time. Like, just grow when you're supposed to grow, uh, because growth comes with pain, you know. Um, there are growing pains and things like that, and you might not be ready for them at that time. So, just let yourself take the steps that you need to step uh, to take. Uh, learn, get the disappointments that you need to. Get, I mean, even right now, like I had applied for an opportunity last week and I didn't get it. And before I used to be very like, I'd, I'd take it as a reflection of who I was, you know, just like a self-worth issue. And now that I'm older, it's more like, Oh, maybe it just wasn't a good fit, you know, or maybe this happened. Like I'm way more like it probably didn't happen for a good reason. And the way I've learned that is that the things that have I've thought, I, I've thought our disappointments have even have ended up being something that if we got it, it wouldn't have been a good thing for us. You know, it could have probably be like diverted us from our mission or things like that. And so, um, yeah, I guess to my younger self, it would be about just relax, just let it be as it is. Take, continue working as hard as you are. And it's not going to happen. It's all going to come to you when it's meant to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, as you were talking, I was just thinking to myself about the kind of generation that we live in right now. And mm-hmm. I was just wondering, it was just kind of like a monologue that was just sort of happening in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was wondering to myself, do you think it's one of the like, drawbacks or disadvantages of being, being a millennial or just growing mm-hmm. up millennial? times that we kind of want we we tend to be attracted or we tend to draw towards like instant stuff you know like because if you compare our generation to like our parents generation right Mm -hmm. they kind of like they they not only did they they endure they kind of they while during the waiting kind of process of it all Mm -hmm. they, they they persevered and they enjoyed the waiting of it so such that when they would get something it was like you know it was revered it was very much valued but um it's funny just we we constantly we're surrounded by you know even if we may not necessarily subscribe to those kind of values or those ideas Mm -hmm. we're surrounded by generation by people that just kind of want instant this you know you go to mcdonald's and you know it's like if your burger takes (laughs) if it takes three minutes (laughs) instead of the one minute you're only like you're freaking out you're like i need to be out of this here why is it taking so long you know i mean gone on days where we'd go to a restaurant and wait for an hour or two for you to get a proper meal like god forbid that happens you know Mm -hmm. so i don't know i guess it's i don't know you can you can definitely um you know share your input here as well but i was just thinking i don't know if it's part of the parcel of the generation kind of that we find ourselves you know in or if it's just if it's a mixture of just that and technology technological advancements i don't know yeah i mean it's I don't know. I think it's part of that, like the te- like having everything at your fingertips, and you know, um, also the, you know, just wanting things to happen fast because it looks like everyone is having their life. Like, also social media kind of makes you feel like everyone has their life together, so you want to have your life together quick <laughs> as well. <laughs> you know, you're just like, I want to post something like the the Bahamas really fast, so I want to like make money quickly and things like that and grow my business really fast. And I think that, um, I mean, I, I am part of that generation and I've, I've just had to learn from experience that, you know, life isn't like that. Building a business isn't like that. Building an organization isn't like that. Working with people, people are, you know, people are diverse, people are complex. And, just the whole thing is like you know I like this this I think drawing of like how success is supposed to be like a graph up, but actually it's just like a you know when kids doodle and they're just oh, yeah. like throwing blah blah like yeah. <laughs> round and round and round you know yeah. just whatever that's what success kind of looks like. Yeah, it's, and not, it's not linear. It's not straight. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I don't know how you know how you kind of like. Can preach that message to people because it's usually like just learning from experience. Like you're just gonna go through it, fail like so many times, and then you're gonna realize that if I if I keep wanting things to happen so fast, I'm gonna kill myself because they're actually not going to happen so fast. You know they're gonna happen when they're supposed to happen, and so um, it's it's a downside definitely for our generation. But I think and our parents seem to be more relaxed, and I wonder what. I mean, when you think about issues, things like um you know Mandela being in jail for twenty seven years and when you say twenty seven i mean i'm twenty seven now that's my whole life. someone was in prison you <laughs> yeah, know I understand I mean yeah, well it's not a funny thing, it's just the fact that i mean if you, if you think about it in that kind of in that context, it's like what, what did he do the whole 27 years? Uh, yeah. And, and our perception right now would be like, if someone put me in jail for two days, I'm like, you've taken my two days, you know, my, or even like for a year, you know, you lost the year or something like that. And he came out, we you know, way more centered, way more as Zen, and he was able now to lead South Africa through the transition. So obviously the lesson, there is something in terms of you know, waiting in terms of just, you know, uh, taking each day at, as a, at a step at a time in terms of being patient, in terms of being, um, someone who doesn't demand instant solutions and instant things to happen and is ready to be the person who stays for 27 years without a thing and continues being consistent, be on message, and then afterwards when you come out of jail, then people vote you as president and you know all these things happen. Uh not necessarily like we're gonna be voted in as president, but it's just the example of like waiting might take a long time. But then when it comes, then it it's all the better for it, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's even more sweeter, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> um what advice would you give to others, particularly black uh, men or women, that would like to start a nonprofit like yours and just pretty much help the next generation? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'd say start because I feel like there's such um, there's such a need for that. You know, there's such a big need for us to be leading initiatives, for us to be doing things, for us, you know, not to be sitting on the sidelines when other people are. Trying to build solutions for our continent, like we should be on the forefront of doing things like that. And so, I definitely le- recommend like start. And then, once you start, just realize it's not going to be easy. You know, it's it's gonna be probably harder than um, you know than it is for like a Caucasian person to start an organization in Africa or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the more of us there are in terms of. Um, starting things, pushing for change and things like that, the more that change will happen. And it it doesn't happen if I'm speaking alone. It happens when someone else joins me and we start speaking together and another person and another person and another person. And that's when we can amplify our voices. So I'd say that, you know, don't wait. Uh, It's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it because this continent is ours. You know, even if wherever in the world you live, I mean, a lot of people still want to come back here at the end of it. I wanted to come back when I finished my degree. And and even if you don't want to come back, it's still about legacy. It's still about why is the continent where our parents were born, you know, the poorest continent in the world? Why is it? Why shouldn't we be the richest? Why shouldn't we be the most successful? Why shouldn't our kids be eating food? Why shouldn't, our kids getting, be getting good education, good healthcare. And why should our people be dying? Because of like preventable causes. Yet we've gone to school. We have knowledge about different things, about how to run different systems. If you had international experience, you have um, the knowledge of how things run outside, you know, and you can bring that here. And so there is so much that we can contribute and the best thing to do is just start yeah um i i love the fact that you said um that you know if one person joins and the next person joins we of mm-hmm. all together we amplify our voices mm-hmm. um when you talk about it it reminded me of just the idea of voting because i remember like obviously i'm i kind of i grew up in, in south africa and like mm-hmm. voting um people would always say well you know my vote doesn't count mm-hmm. that it's still gonna win but I always think to myself, well, if you say that, and the next person says that, mm-hmm. and the other person says that, then no one will vote, and mm-hmm. you know, and the situation, kind of the political situation, remains the same. And it it kind of ties into what you're saying, you know, if if we all come together, our voice will be will be um definitely amplified. Um, so yeah, definitely we need to kind of come together and do this. And um, I guess even if you can't start a nonprofit, because I guess it's not something for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. and if you can support i guess it's a huge to support people who are in this kind of field and who are mm-hmm. doing, who are doing who are doing great things um definitely um yeah, I, yeah and also i mean i wanted to say that it's not that everyone has to start their own organization like you can be working somewhere and be advocating for this continent you know you could be like you know working in different areas like i was part of a sp- uh, conference in Silicon Valley in January, uh, the Af- it was called the African Diaspora Network. And there were all these people, people working in Johnson and Johnson's, people working in Ernest and Young, people working like all over the world. And they just come and they basically say, Where I am, I'm working for Africa. I'm trying to create opportunities for Africa. I'm trying to create opportunities for Africans. And so it doesn't have to be like, go out and start your own thing. It can be wherever you are. How can you now use the power and the influence that you have in your space to now build a a better continent or create opportunities for people from this continent and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I guess every any any little step or any little mm-hmm. sort of counts any any way anyhow, any means um it might even be you know you have a small you live in a small rural com- community in the middle of scotland for instance and then you started this group that helps advocate for for the for africans um in, in scotland or whatever the case may be and like, yeah i can't think of a more kind of solid example right now but <laughs> but yeah but i i see i definitely see what you're saying so like mm. you're like in your different means, your different ways, and everybody can, everyone's little contribution goes a long way. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, if you were not, if you had not started um, Food for Education, what do you mm-hmm. think you would be doing? Um, I'd probably be working in a job I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I was cut out to be uh, employed at the age that I'm in right now. Uh I think maybe I'd be building something else uh not necessarily you know food for education, but I'd be building something else for for people uh I had a i mean I'm very interested in health, so I was doing a master's in public health and um I really wanted to get into health until I was too depressed by the health system in Kenya and I decided to stop but I think I'd be looking at to Like, how can I build systems for people? You know, I'm just looking at how can I build? Because I believe at the end of the day that as Africans, our institutions will save us. And it would be a leader. It will not be, you know, a benevolent dictator. Some people say we need or things like that. It's just going to be like building strong institutions and building strong systems. So I'd definitely be somewhere doing that yeah wow um as we wrap up can you tell our listeners what life philosophy or quote you live by oh wow um what do i live for i think that okay it's going to be two different things and they're going to sound i'm not going to say where they're from because it's going to sound so no i'll say where they're from one of them is from rihanna (laughs) and um and she says, never a failure, always a lesson. I think she has a tattoo somewhere or something. And for me, that's a very, every time I have a failure, I'm always like, not a failure, just a lesson. And it's really helped me in terms of deal with a lot of disappointments, a lot of things that I could have spent time, you know, blaming myself or blaming things around me. And when I tell myself, this is, what is the lesson in this? It's so much easier to go forward and to deal with that issue and then the other thing that i think about is uh, a lot is about uh, something beyonce said oh, oh my god I've sung, i'm quoting pop stars <laughs> <laughs> and she says something about power and I'm, I'm always thinking about this she says power is affecting people in a way i mean making them stand up with pride and making them live with dignity. And I loved that quote because one of the reasons I started Food for Education, and you know, my biggest personal reason was about the indignity that I could see children experience in terms of not having food, which everyone must have to survive. And then that, you know, not giving them the good education opportunities and then them not being able to, um, you know, continue on and have opportunities in life and how that robbed them of simple things like, you know, growing up and getting a good job that you can provide your family for, or you can have a nice house to live in or things like that. And so I always think of it in terms of however much I'm given. And for, you know, a lot of, in this world, a lot of uh, having resources is very much being a powerful person, you know, person with more resources is more powerful you know and so with you know the more opportunities that I have and uh, the more power that I feel like you know having different opportunities and things like that for me it's like I want to use this to give people dignity to make them stand up with pride to make them be able to be proud of themselves and be proud of the lives that they're living and just being able to have opportunities to like feed their families and uh, grow up and finish high school and things like that. So, yeah, those are the two life things that um, I I see. I mean, one of them helps me deal with failure and then the other one helps me see my place in the world more as someone who is just a person who participates in other people's stories so that they can be able to live as the best versions of themselves. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Um, lastly, where can our listeners find you on social media and how can we find out more about how to support food for education and about your crowdfunding as well? Yeah, um, so we have an Instagram, Facebook and Twitter page. So on Instagram, it's food, the number four education. Uh, on Facebook, it's the word for, so food for education and um our website is the number 4 educationorg so there you can find information about what we do um and also um yeah how we are trying to basically we say that we're trying to feed the future of Kenya so you can find information of that on our pages yeah mm-hmm. Um, I'll be sure to include all your social media details on the episode show notes on our website. Thank um, you. Well, Vera, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the African Bohemian podcast to share your story and tell us uh, um, about Food for Education. I'm truly grateful. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this week's podcast session, be sure to catch up with us again next week when we speak to another entrepreneurial trailblazer. In the meantime, remember to follow us on social media and subscribe to our blog to stay up to date with the entrepreneurial lifestyle. Until next time, never give up and keep believing.